This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that would like to remind us all that you shouldn't worry about the horse being blind. Just load the wagon. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the captain. Yeah, it's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very excited to be featuring chocolate chip honey dip by the crafty brewers over at Abel Baker Brewery. Chocolate chip honey dip is a variant of their traditional imperial stout, but they are making this one quite different. And the result is a combination of sweet vanilla, rich honey, and bittersweet dark chocolate. Delicious. It's like freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. Garage grade four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And let's give some praise and cheers to our friends that helped us out this week. First up, a big cheers to Rachel in Burlington, Iowa. And a big shout out to Amy in Riverview, Florida. Here's a cheers to Clayton in Shanahan, Illinois. And a big we like your jib to Mary in Raymond, Mississippi. And a big cheers and a Ron Swanson please and thank you goes out to Lauren in Melbourne, Australia. Everybody we mentioned helped us out with this week's beer run and for that, We thank you because we have a full garage fridge. Yeah, say it with me. B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. Hey, you want to help the show? Then on Instagram or Facebook, share our show with your friends on your stories. And then if you tag us, then I will share them with the rest of the listeners. It's a great way to promote the show. And also you get to tell your friends, hey, I'm better than you are. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Las Vegas, on the Strip, is owned and operated by MGM Resorts. The Luxor is one of the most recognizable resorts in Las Vegas because it's basically a 30-story pyramid. Named after the city of Luxor in Egypt, the resort is situated on the southern end of the Las Vegas Strip in Paradise, Nevada. According to some local folklore, where the Luxor sits was once a popular burial ground for the victims of the mob. Victims whose spirits might not rest so easily. So when there, maybe one should expect the unexpected. After construction was completed, the Luxor opened its doors to those looking for fun and excitement in 1993. The property features a 120,000 square foot casino, 
with over 2,000 slot machines and 87 table games, and hotel capacity of over 4,400 rooms. The property also includes 29 retail stores, 20,000 square feet of convention space, four swimming pools, and a wedding chapel, should the mood strike you. And certainly we should mention the Luxor Skybeam. At over 42 billion candela, the Luxor Skybeam is the strongest beam of light in the world. On a clear night, it is visible up to 275 miles away by aircraft. With such an impressive property, and so much money flowing in and out of a large casino, one would expect top-notch security systems and personnel. And in the Luxor's 28 years of operation, it would be quite interesting to review all of the strange shenanigans that have been captured by hotel and casino security cameras. On Monday, May 7th, 2007, around 4 in the morning, the Luxor's rooftop garage parking lot security camera filmed a most unusual situation. The black and white video shows two people, a man and a woman, walking arm in arm through the hotel and then to the parking garage. As they approached a parked sedan, the couple let go of one another. The lady walks to the passenger side of the vehicle and the man to the driver's side. The man appears to spot something small, sitting on the rooftop of the vehicle. Then, a second later, a flash burst on the surveillance cameras. The man and woman are no longer visible to the parking lot camera. The authorities were notified immediately that something strange and frightening was happening at the Luxor. What was that blast? And more importantly, where are the two people? This is True Crime Garage, and this is the Luxor Pipe Bomb Murder. May 7th, 2007, just outside of the Luxor Casino and Resort, at about 4 a.m. in the morning, security cameras watching the rooftop of the parking garage located directly behind the Luxor Pyramid, witnessed a burst of light, a blast, which was quickly thought to have been a bomb. Authorities were notified and en route. Now, once on scene, the parking entrances were sealed. First responders made their way to where the explosion took place. From the security camera's view, it appeared that the blast occurred when the man reached for a small item that was possibly sitting on the rooftop of a parked vehicle. Authorities quickly located a man and a woman near the sedan. The man lying on the ground and bleeding from his head. A couple of his fingers on his one hand were missing. The explosion had ripped them off. The woman was lying face down on the ground near the passenger side doors. She was wedged between the car where the explosion came from and a second vehicle parked just to the right. She, too, was reported to be in bad shape. Law enforcement is going to quickly seal off the entrances and exits to the parking garage. Yes, with these entrances to the Luxor's parking sealed off, no one was coming, and certainly no one other than the ambulances were leaving. The two victims were rushed to the nearest hospital. The ATF was brought in to assist in this whole situation and the investigation that would follow. Authorities were going vehicle to vehicle with bomb-sniffing dogs. Meanwhile, back at the hospital, the man, unfortunately, was pronounced dead. The female victim was injured, but she was going to make it. After a long morning with a lot of personnel working the scene from several agencies, Las Vegas police spokesman Bill Cassell was ready to update the public as to their findings, and he offered up the following information. One, he denied that a backpack exploded. Two, he denied that the Luxor received threats or that the Luxor's employees received threats. Three, he said it was a small blast and the bomb was not a terrorist act or a mob hit, but an apparent murder of a man who worked at a business inside the hotel. Deputy Police Chief Ted Mooney said, quote, This appears to have been a small device that was constructed in such a way to target a single individual victim. 
It was successful in doing that, unfortunately, end quote. And for the safety of the surviving victim, Las Vegas police did not identify either the dead man or the injured female victim. This is a crazy and very scary situation here, Captain. And we've talked about these types of situations in the past on True Crime Garage. But picture this. You are in a very public location. And I get that it's 4 a.m., but right, it's the city that never sleeps. And so we have a public area, a public venue, and there's this bomb that goes off in the parking area. And we already know that we have one fatality. We have another person who seems to be injured or at least was taken to the hospital. And now we have authorities on the scene trying to figure out exactly what happened. This is a place where you got a lot of people coming in and out at all hours of the night. And fortunately, it's not one of these shooter situations. And apparently based off of what we can piece together from law enforcement who are filling in the blanks after working the scene, they're saying, Hey public, don't worry. This appears to have been a targeted attack. We believe that the target was probably, unfortunately, killed in this attack. But if you're law enforcement, you have to be hopeful that because it's such a public area that you're going to have some kind of surveillance, maybe not in the garage, but in other businesses surrounding the garage. Correct. And so we have spokesman Bill Cassell said that this was not a terrorist event and detectives believe the victim was the intended target of the device and characterized the slaying as a homicide with an unusual weapon. That from Ken Ritter reporting for the Associate Press. Interesting situation here, Captain. A bomb goes off that police quickly tell us it was a small homemade explosive device left sitting on the roof of this sedan that was parked at the Luxor. Some reports state that the woman was not injured. Others say that she was not extremely injured. So I'm a little unclear of her injuries, but either way, she would have received some form of treatment at the hospital. I'm guessing as she was awfully close to the explosion, obviously. The other thing here is being a large venue in a public place, we are very lucky, very lucky that there was not further damage or greater loss of life. The other thing here, too, as you're pointing out here, Captain, is we are going to get lucky that there is surveillance camera monitoring this area. In fact, reports suggest that we would have had at least two cameras for this area, if not three. Those cameras captured the explosion, as you know, Captain, and I'm a betting man. Well, I would be willing to bet that this small explosive device didn't just magically fall from the sky and land on this poor guy's car. So, of course, detectives will be watching and reviewing all of that available surveillance footage to see how that bomb found its way to that man's vehicle. Who put it there? Well, and we also have to be hopeful that the survivor makes it and then they can give us information. Let's review the damage done here, Captain. The murdered victim was identified as Willibaldo Durantes Antonio, and sadly, he was just 24 years old. Mr. Antonio was attempting to get into the driver's side of the vehicle when the bomb went off. The vehicle that the bomb was placed on top of was confirmed to be his. When the device exploded, it blew a 12-inch hole in Mr. Antonio's 1996 Dodge Stratus. The bomb tore off some of his fingers and sent a piece of metal through his head. Oh, that's awful. Which killed him. So just like we saw here, Captain, with the Unabomber case with Ted Kaczynski, he planted these small motion-activated or his pressure bombs. It's not necessarily the explosion that kills. It's the shrapnel. Unfortunately, that was the case here as well and often is the case with these small explosive devices. Couldn't imagine your fingers being blown off. It seems like he didn't die instantly though. It seems like he possibly died from bleeding out. He died from the head injury. Yes. So we covered the Unabomb case in April of 2021 episodes 482 and 483. If anybody would like to go back and give those a listen, incredible trailers on those episodes, by the way, the captain doing gangbusters work on the music and yours truly doing his typical Robert stack uh, lead in. Hey, some people call those genius. 
I'm yeah. not saying they are. I'm just saying some people say that. I call myself a Robert Stack wannabe on this moment. Yeah. I call myself a Guinness. Right. Our victim, Willibaldo Antonio, worked at the Luxor. He worked at the Nathan's famous hot dog business, which was and still is one of a handful of non-casino businesses that remain open all night, located on the second floor at the food court near an arcade, and there's several other shops inside the Luxor. Pretty kick-ass hot dogs there, too. Hashtag not a sponsor. The lady that was walking with him, Captain, was reported to be his girlfriend. Her name is Karen Shally. She worked at Nathan's in the Luxor as well with this man. And as said, this was a small explosive device, clearly a homemade device, described as a small metal pipe bomb that contained an explosive powder and a 9-volt battery, which was hidden in a plastic cup that was partially filled with that spray foam insulation stuff. This was placed on top of Willibaldo's Dodge Stratus. The device exploded when he picked it up to remove it from his car. So that motion activated the bomb. Now, Willibaldo Antonio sadly passed away at the hospital two hours after arriving. The medical examiner determined that a large fragment of metal entered the victim's brain, creating a seven centimeter furrow. The autopsy also revealed torn skin and abrasions on his face, a mangled right hand, and missing skin on his upper right arm. The explosion occurred on the rooftop parking garage. The shrapnel penetrated nearby vehicles, and pieces of the bomb were scattered across the parking structure. The parking structure and the casino, though, were not really damaged. The casino, not at all. Just some of the vehicles, but nothing significant to the parking structure. And, of course, the distance that it went off did not allow for damage to the casino. At first, people thought that this might be a terrorist attack, right? We hear bomb. We hear explosion. That's what our minds go to. But quickly, law enforcement said, no, not a terrorist attack, and that they had no reason to believe that anyone else was in danger of a similar attack because this was a planned, targeted attack. And the hotel was not even evacuated. The general business operations were not interrupted by this explosion, with the exception of that parking garage area. Again, very sad that this young man lost his life, but we were still lucky that more people were not hurt or killed. We also... Well, we get lucky in the investigation process. And here's how, Captain. First, law enforcement were able to find on surveillance how the bomb got to Mr. Antonio's vehicle. Surveillance video shows a silver Chevrolet Cobalt drive around the rooftop garage for a while and then pull up and park next to Antonio's sedan. This took place approximately 90 minutes before the bomb went off. When looking at the footage, this all went down in the top right corner of the garage if you were looking at this on a television screen and reviewing the footage yourself. Think about this, though. They're telling us that this is a targeted attack. But how dangerous is this whole situation? We know that it already killed one man, but whoever placed this bomb on top of his vehicle placed it 90 minutes there before he walked up to it, moved it, and was killed by the bomb. Right. Anybody walking through there could have picked this item up off of his vehicle or, you know, it could have been a worker come through and clear off some trash and throw it away. A teenager, a young adult, somebody else in the area bump into the car. I mean, there's any kind of scenario that we can look at and go, hey, we know that this is targeted, but because of where the target takes place and where the attack takes place and where the bombs planted, anybody could have could have upset that bomb and become victim to that bomb, not just the target. And a couple of things here. One, I think because there's two victims, one survives, but I think she only survived because he took the brunt of the damage. But this material that they used, we're not talking about expensive items. This was very cheap to make. So once you have possibly one target, how many other bombs could this individual place on other cars? 
Yeah, and that that is just terrifying to me. And we talk about this so often on the show, how quickly life turns on a dime. I guarantee you this man who woke up on that day who fell victim to this bomb thought he was going home that night, thought he was just having another day at work and was going to you know, go do his thing after work. Well, we get lucky here too, Captain. We get lucky a second time because, as you pointed out, our survivor, our other victim, she survives. And this is Mr. Antonio's girlfriend, Karen. She tells police some much-needed information. And this is probably where they're getting the, hey, we don't feel like anybody else in the public is at risk here. We don't see any kind of threat to the general public or even others at the Luxor. This is based off of her information is what I would believe. Karen and Antonio were walking arm in arm through the hotel to the parking garage. These are her words. They both had just finished a late night shift at Nathan's. They were working together that night. They get to the car. And as we said earlier, she goes to the passenger side. Willibaldo goes to the driver's side. He then makes a joke to Karen about someone leaving him a cup of coffee. This is the cup that's sitting on his vehicle. Right. And after making the joke, he then reaches for the cup. And just as he picks it up, the explosion happens. Now, at that very same moment, Karen makes the life-saving split-second decision to drop immediately to the ground. This right when the bomb went off. So she drops down, and she then became shielded by the car. Mm-hmm. Karen tells authorities she started dating Antonio about a year before his death. This was after she broke up with her ex, Omar Rueda Denvers. Omar, don't like your name. Change it. But I mean, just to pause for a second, though, if you're watching Batman or something, these uh, terrorist attacks or these bombs that are sent, they're normally sent to a, a mayor, a doctor, maybe a lawyer, maybe somebody in law enforcement. You don't think somebody that is working at Nathan's serving hot dogs. He's in the hot dog business. It's usually a pretty friendly business. Yeah, you'd think somebody, uh, unless Oscar Meyer has an issue with him, just doesn't seem like somebody that you would target in an attack of this nature. So she breaks up with her ex and then shortly afterwards starts dating the victim. Now, she says that she met her ex, Omar, in 2001 at the San Carlos University in Guatemala. She became pregnant soon after. Later, the two had a daughter. Now, she says they broke up in 2006, and by that point, they were both in the United States. In August of 2006, Omar was certainly not shy about letting her know that He wants to get back together with Karen, but she refuses. And things really start to get weird quickly after this. On one occasion, Karen agrees to meet him at a park so that Omar can see his daughter. After the visit, Omar follows her home, and when she gets out of the car, he tries to hit her with his vehicle in an obvious, very childish, but very dangerous fit of rage. This guy sounds like a psychopath. After this, Omar starts going to the Luxor when Karen is working and threatening her. And he starts threatening Willibaldo as well when he sees him there. Both end up telling their employer about Omar's threats. And on at least one occasion, Captain, Omar was removed from the Luxor property by the Luxor security. Well, it's a bad combination. Somebody that doesn't like you and has a lot of time on their hands. But good for us here, Captain, because now we have a suspect and we have this vehicle description. But we do have a problem with the investigation because the vehicle seen on surveillance, well, it does not match the vehicle belonging to Omar. Well, it seems like they have a pretty clear-cut vision of this the, the vehicle and they can even get a license plate but I don't think it's as clear as who is operating the vehicle. Correct. So what we have here, Captain, police, they have stills, still images of the vehicle that pulled up next to Willibaldo's car. The vehicle was only there for about 20 or so seconds is what police say. Now, the still images were blurry, but 
Let's bring on one of law enforcement's greatest of allies, crowdsourcing. Notice here too, Captain, that they didn't wait 4, 10, 15, or 26 years later to release these images to the public. Those years I just rattled off are not random numbers either. These are actual time frames that we've seen in other cases where they wait to crowdsource something from their investigation for 4, 10, 15, or even 26 years later. Good luck with that. Here, they do it immediately, Captain, because they know they need the public's help, and boom, they get it in return. Boom shakalaka. So with the public's help, they identify what kind of car that they were looking for. And then after a traffic stop a few days later, they end up identifying the driver or at least the owner. We should say the owner of the vehicle, not necessarily the driver. They pull over a vehicle matching the description of the one that placed the bomb on top of Willibaldo's vehicle. They speak to the driver of this car. They find out that she is in fact the owner, but... Very quickly, police learn that she knows Omar Denvers. She says, in fact, she dated him at one time, but the two, the romance didn't last, but they they stayed friends. Well, because he's a psychopath. When asked if she would ever let Omar borrow her vehicle, she did say yes, but she said not recently. And this is just a couple days after the explosion. When police fill her in on the situation, She tells them that recently she noticed that her spare key to her Chevy Cobalt was missing. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it Absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. 
To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we are back to the windows, to the walls. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Cheers to you, Captain. So we have this situation. This bomb goes off. Immediately, police are aware after speaking to the surviving victim that, hey, we possibly have a suspect right away. This guy has already threatened me and threatened the deceased, and his name is Omar. You should be looking for this guy. Well, here's what we have. We have two victims. One survives. That's in law enforcement's favor. We have this time where Omar tries to run over one of the victims with his car. Now, that's just hearsay, but what we do have, Omar on record going to the place of her employment where pretty much this this attempted murder on both victims takes place. And then we have this vehicle. Well, he doesn't own the vehicle, but he has access to the vehicle. He knows the owner. So there's a lot of things lining up in law enforcement's favor. Well, and there's a lot of stuff that's moving very quickly for law enforcement, and they're doing a lot of stuff really behind the scenes here. The difficult part was trying to, okay, this vehicle doesn't match Omar's vehicle. So how do we, if that's our prime suspect, we need to figure out how that part of the story worked. How did that work for him to still be the prime suspect? And after some help from the public, they're able to speak with the owner of that vehicle that matches that direct that direct description so of course now we're going to go and try to find omar and talk to him so law enforcement well they do just that they go and pick up this omar denvers and they conduct an interview with him now he of course he's going to deny any involvement at all in this bombing But hand this man a shovel here, Captain, and watch him dig his own grave. Because after further questioning, he admits to driving the Chevy Cobalt on the night of the Luxor bomb incident. In fact, he says that he drove it to the Luxor looking for his daughter. Right. He then went on to admit to police that he followed his ex-girlfriend extensively 
sometimes in his vehicle or with this woman's Chevy Cobalt and even admitted that he knew Karen's work schedule and that he knew she was dating Mr. Antonio and what kind of vehicle Mr. Antonio drove. So he's willing to admit to a whole lot of things that would really implicate him in this murder with the exception of I had nothing to do with making a bomb or placing a bomb on this man's car. Yeah, but hold on a damn minute. He's driving a car that he doesn't have the authorization to be driving. He basically stole his ex-girlfriend's spare key and is driving around a vehicle that he's not supposed to be driving around. Well, one thing that gets really a, a little weird here for the detectives is somehow police get on to some other guy, right? They start to move on to an additional suspect. So they're not replacing Omar as their prime suspect, but instead adding another suspect to the equation, a second individual involved in the murder. But no, this wasn't the woman who owned the Chevy Cobalt. No, this was a very close friend of Omar's. This is Mr. Perfirio Diardi Herrera. The way that I believe that they get onto this guy is we have this situation where they have the surveillance footage, correct? Right. So when reviewing this footage, the person that placed the bomb on top of Mr. Antonio's vehicle right. came from the passenger side. Mm -hmm. So now we have two people that we're looking for. We know the car that we're looking for, and we have two people that we need to put inside that car. One of them placed the bomb and one of them was driving. And my guess here, Captain, is that they, you know, they say we interviewed this woman who owned the car. My guess is they probably grilled her pretty hard knowing that we're looking for two individuals. Yeah, they held it down and tortured her like a vicious animal. And probably telling her, look, we get what you're saying that your spare key's magically missing. We get what you're saying that Omar used to borrow your car, but the problem is that doesn't remove you as a suspect. That doesn't completely remove you from this equation of when and who put the bomb on top of Omar's vehicle. So she probably starts saying, look, he knows this other guy. You're going to want to look at him too, regardless of what Omar tells you when you interview him. Law enforcement has to think of it as an A to B situation. She has access to the car. Is she helping Omar? We know that the individual that gets out of the passenger's side is a, as a male. So, hey, she's driving the car, and Omar's the one that gets out and places the bomb on top of the car. Armed with all of this information, now law enforcement will search Omar's vehicle. Inside his vehicle, they find a pair of wire cutters, electrical tape, a current tester, wires, and keys to the Chevy Cobalt. Then they go to his work, and he did maintenance at a condo complex, and in his maintenance shed, they find a box of 9-volt batteries. The 9-volt batteries here, this package, and the other batteries found in the shed were the same type and same manufacturer as the battery used in the bomb. So it's not like having DNA, but it tells you, hey, you're probably on the right track here. And of course, they're going to interview this Pafirio too. And he as well, Captain, will deny any involvement at all. You know, I didn't do it. I, I don't know anything. And But eventually he's going to admit that, and these are his words, he goes from not admitting anything to something that gets him very close to making him suspect number one, saying, quote, that he made a bomb and that he knew it was going to go off at the Luxor. Stupid. Then he denied that he was the one that placed the bomb or activated the bomb in any way at all. But ultimately, he's going to tweak his story again and again. And this is when he tells law enforcement, and this is from the record, although he was hesitant at first of placing the bomb on the car because it was not his problem, he told police, he did say that he placed the bomb near the center of the roof of the car towards the driver's side. And he eventually tells law enforcement that the bomb had been placed in a cup and that a magnet was placed in the cup so that the bomb would stay on top of Mr. Antonio's car until someone moved it. Mm -hmm. This is very interesting here, Captain, because we talk often about police holdback information. And when they describe the bomb in the papers and when they're telling the public about 
the incident that took place at the Luxor, they're telling us how the bomb was made, what it was constructed of very loosely. But at the same time, they're telling us that this was a targeted attack. And that's probably based off of most of the statements of the surviving victim. But they're also saying there's no threat to the public. And this makes sense here because they're looking at the psychology of one, the bomb, how it was made, its size, what damage one could expect it to do. But plus, they didn't tell anybody in the public about this magnet. This was their holdback information to to that when they have the right person sitting across from them at the table, right. when they're grilling them, you know, tell us something that only you would know, or how can you prove to me that you're telling the truth? Well, this piece of information never made its way to the public. This magnet that was put there with the idea that it would keep the bomb on top of this vehicle, thus almost making sure that they would hit their target. It's the closest thing, I think, that law enforcement's going to get to a full-blown confession. Yeah, I think you're right here. No but, pun intended. Right. Now, they they also find what they're calling bomb-making materials in Porfirio's residence. Both men were arrested and charged with murder, and a bunch of other charges as well came with this. Police publicly announced that they had no reason to believe that the woman who owned the Chevy Cobalt was involved in any way, so no charges were brought against her in relation to the bomb. Now, in a strange turn of events here, Captain... We would later learn that Omar Denver's shit princess, the prime suspect, the man who was hell bent on killing his ex-girlfriend and her current boyfriend. Right. Omar Denver's was not his real name. Surprise, surprise. That, in fact, was the name of a former employer of his who he worked for when he lived in Panama. So this man's real name is Alexander Perez. So this is discovered when the real Omar Denver's sees the news of this bombing and then sees that somebody was arrested connected to this bomb. His name, his own name is connected to the bombing. So he's outraged and he calls the FBI and lets them know, Hey, uh, this is who I am. I'm Omar Denver's. That guy's name is not Omar Denver's. And I had nothing to do with this bombing. The real Omar Rueda Denver's, once employed the man that the police now know to be Alexander Perez. Once Perez made his way to the States and ultimately Las Vegas, he started using that name. He stole that name of his one-time employer and using it as his own. Come on, man. Use your own real name. Law enforcement and prosecutors surmised that the two men, Omar Rueda Denver's real name, Alexander Perez, whose age is 31 years old, and Perforio Duarte Herrera, 27, killed Willibaldo Durantes Antonio, age 24, by building a bomb and placing it in a cup on top of the Dodge Stratus on the driver's side of the vehicle. They determined that Perforio was the one who built and placed the bomb on the car. And of course, Perez was trying to kill his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend out of jealousy. Omar was obsessed with Karen and watched and followed her. Both men were facing the death penalty, and they stood trial together. It took some time because they would not be convicted until 2010. The bombing took place in 2007. Both were sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole and will spend the rest of their lives in prison. Now, in another strange turn here, Captain Perforio was also found guilty of planting a bomb outside of the Las Vegas Home Depot store on Halloween back in 2006, which blasted shards of metal over a wide area into a busy street. Prosecutors said it was incredibly lucky that no one was injured or killed in that bombing. One of the shitbags in the shitbag salad already placed a bomb at another location. Because I just don't understand how Omar got him involved it's unclear how these two were friends but they were friends for quite some time and according to the woman that owned the chevy cobalt she said that in the time frame leading up to the bomb at the luxor that these two individuals saw each other daily as far as she was aware so they were very close to one another 
But it can't be understated what the words of detectives and police were at the time shortly after arresting both of these individuals. They were up front and saying, look, we know this was targeted, but we we want everybody to understand just how dangerous these two men are. These two men together are. You have one person that's so jealous that he's willing to kill two people. And then you have another individual that seems to be into making bombs. And later, when Poforio is interviewed and asked about this bomb and, and these two bombs that he, he created, he really, to me, just seems like a, a weird, a very strange individual, Captain. Because the way that he makes it sound is basically like, I'm at home tinkering around and I figured out that I could make a bomb. Weirdo. And that he placed it at the Home Depot just to see if he was successful in making this bomb, if it would in fact go off. This guy is such a psychopath, he's it's he's treating it like it's a video game. He doesn't care if anybody at the Home Depot is killed in the parking lot. Right. He made a bomb and wanted to see if it worked and if it would go off and if it would do its thing, do what he constructed it to do. And it's a shame that one, you know, that he didn't blow himself up in the process of learning how to create these homemade bombs. Yeah, which we see a lot of bombers blow themselves up. The other thing too that we have to factor in is think about the the premeditation involved in the attack that killed Mr. Antonio. So we have the one individual, Omar, or sorry, Perez. I keep using his his fake name, but. Mr. Perez, who he knows this individual's vehicle. He knows the work schedules. It's said when they were reviewing the surveillance footage, another reason why they believed it to be targeted, not just the, the magnet, but when the vehicle, the Cobalt entered the parking area, they drove around for several minutes as if they were looking for something specific. And then they pull up next to the Dodge Stratus Someone gets out, places the bomb on top of the vehicle. They get back in and they drive off. But this was very premeditated to the point of these two individuals had to have a, a, a discussion at some point of, Hey, I want to kill these two people. And the other loser saying, yeah, I know how to make bombs. Okay. Well, when can we place a bomb and take these two out? So there's a lot of premeditated planning that went into this type of attack and think about how little it took for both of these individuals to be willing to kill two people. Yeah. And then you wonder if maybe some money was going to change hands for his involvement, but both these guys are loose cannons. Well, and we have a couple things that take place here. Uh, captain one, these two are going to be tried together, but, but look at it this way because Mr. Perez is never, he's not saying, yes, I did the bombing. He's saying, yeah, I knew all this other stuff. But I had nothing to do with the bombing. And then we have Mr. Herrera, who is telling police, I didn't place the bomb. I didn't activate the bomb. But yes, I made a bomb and I knew that it was supposed to go off at the Luxor. So you don't really have either of them providing you with a full confession. And so when you're at trial, you're trying both of these individuals together. Not only are they saying, hey, I. I was somewhat involved, but not fully involved. I'm not completely responsible. They're also both kind of pointing the finger at one another and suggesting, hey, Mr. Herrera may have done this on his own, or hey, Mr. Perez may have done this on his own. Right. And what ends up happening here, Captain, we have to fast forward to a few years later, and actually just a couple years ago, because what changes for Mr. Perez is that later is when Mr. Herrera is convicted of the Home Depot bomb which we know took place in our timeline before the bomb at the Luxor. Right. So a few years ago, Mr. Perez is granted a new trial in 2019. This is based off of the appeal that he had not been able to cross-examine his co-defendant who had given incriminating evidence to the police. So what they're saying basically here, Captain, is it was not known that Mr. Herrera was going to be found guilty of a previous bombing attack. And therefore, this could not be addressed at that original trial. And now Mr. Perez, who was always pointing the finger at Mr. Herrera, wants the jury and the judge and everyone to know 
that here, this is further evidence that I was not involved. What he's saying, his, his defense in 2019, when he gets a new trial is basically this, look, I borrowed the Chevy Cobalt. I went to the Luxor that night looking for my daughter, looking for my ex, hoping that finding my ex, I could see my daughter. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he's also saying another way that he had bad luck because he was friends with this person who he's now calling a weirdo in 2019, saying he's basically a person that has a history of bomb making, number one, but two, an individual that was obsessed with making bombs and probably obsessed with blowing things up as well. These garage boys are here and happy to report that Boom, all these years later, still found guilty. Yeah, we're excited. We're in Vegas all weekend. CrimeCon. If you're there, please come say hello. And you beautiful people, stick around because on part two, we're going to get to another crime from Las Vegas. Join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.